On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, Chet Holmgren has his best game of the season, and the Thunder win a must-win game. We'll talk about it all coming up. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter and threads at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder winning a must-win game in Washington. Chet Holmgren's best game offensive fireworks with the formula on display for this team, what J-Dub has to improve upon, and a mixed bag results from Josh Giddy. Plus, the bench played well for the Thunder. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Go visit them right now at FanDuel.com slash on to get started. And the Thunder entered this game in Washington. Two bad games. Both losses, both games where the Thunder had no effort. They slept through them. They just were not their typical selves. But you get two off days, the rest advantage, and a bad Washington team. Good teams keep losing teams losing. Fully healthy besides Bertans, who had an illness pop up. Uh, and, of course, Olivier, Keontae, and Usman Jang were all out. But this was a must-win game for Oklahoma City. This was a game where... If you really do have that uncommon maturity, you come in and you take care of business despite being on the road against a really bad Washington team, and you respond to two really bad games. It wasn't perfect, but guess what? It doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to look smooth. It can look like a dying duck, but it has to go in the win column, and it did. The Thunder won their must-win game. With that being said, we're going to get into some of the things that they also have to clean up moving forward because some of this stuff was masked by how bad Washington was. But the Thunder win the rebounding battle by two. They have a season-high 37 assists, which really played into their big three's hands. We'll talk more about that. Dead even at 14 turnovers apiece. But the Thunder dominate points in the paint, 70-48, to and they played a brand of basketball that was perfect in the modern NBA. It was practically all paint and all threes for OKC. That was due to some great cutting, great positioning, and, of course, attacking downhill by the Thunder. They lost second-chance points despite getting more boards, uh, 16 to 11, but they were a plus 11 in fast break, which is the key for the Thunder is getting out and running. Here's where the biggest difference lies. Despite the Thunder not having their best showing defensively, they still outshot Washington 51-50-75. Washington shot 49-46-86. The Thunder have to clean up their free throw percentage. They entered last week, best team in the NBA in threes and free throw. Since then, they've fallen off a cliff at the free throw department. That has to get turned back around. And it's some guys who you trust at the line. You, know, you, you trust SGA at the line. For some reason, he's missing more than usual at the free throw line. You trust Chet Holmgren at the line. For some reason, he's missing more than usual at the free throw line. But that has to turn around sooner than later for Oklahoma City because free throws can cost you some games. But overall, the Thunder got the win, but they were a step slow defensively a step slow in rotation, a step slow in grabbing loose balls, uh, a step slow in turning deflections into steals. In transition, they were a step slow defensively. And it looked like they were just stuck in the mud 
for a lot of this game. And overall, there was just sloppiness to this game. There were stints with just kind of meh effort at certain points, but it was all masked by how bad Washington was. Because at the end of the day, the Thunder did do their job of keeping this at an arm's length for the majority of the time, nursing an eight to 10 point lead. There were still only three lead changes. I mean, I'm sorry, three ties and one lead change. But OKC still in that st- you know, in that whole game with only th- one lead change and three ties, they never grew this game out of proportion. It was, it was their biggest lead was 13 points. And in the modern NBA, 13 points uh, is not this significant lead. And so ultimately, the Thunder staved off the Washington runs and they were able to close out the game and take care of business. Picking up a win is never wrong, but being a step slow also caused them to foul a whole lot. The defense kind of bunkered down around the six-minute mark, which, which helped them close out the game. But that's still not a defensive effort, and that's still not a game that would cut it against most NBA teams. The benefit is, you didn't play most NBA teams tonight. You played Washington. And so it was enough to beat Washington. However, I would like to see the Thunder kind of shift back into gear on that end of the floor. I think that that can really help them out with these tougher games that you see coming up on the schedule where you go to Miami after a day off in South Beach, by the way, which is notorious for uh, not exactly producing the best effort the next night. You go, to, you go to South Beach, go to Miami. Come back on the second night of a back-to-back. Now, this one, I think, has trap game written all over it. You come back second night of a back-to-back, play Portland with travel involved, a team that's not going to automatically give you energy just by seeing them on the schedule. How are you going to respond? Then the Magic, then the Lakers, Clippers, and a back-to-back. So the next five games, you're going to have to have better defensive energy than you showed tonight, better defensive effort than you showed tonight. What was the bottom line for Oklahoma City? The Wizards just had nobody to counteract them offensively. This was the fifth game that the big three, J-Dub, Chet, and SGA, scored 20 plus points. And when those three players do that, those five games, the Thunder are 5-0, and undefeated in those games. Because this game was almost formulaic. You know, it, it, was, it was the exact bread and butter that the Thunder are going to take shape to win games, win series, and eventually, hopefully for their sake, win the, win the NBA Finals, win the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Because while reaching 20 points you know, for those three guys, sustainably every game is is not the formula because that's very hard to do. It was how you got to your points in this game, what it looked like in the rhythm of the game that I think was the actual display of how the Thunder win basketball games. It was SGA having strong first and third quarters to set the tone at each half and then closing out each half as well and then the closing out second, closing out fourth. It was Jalen Williams continuing to look more and more comfortable leading the way with SGA on the bench. And this was the very best Chet Holmgren game. This was the game where Chet Holmgren started to see his game go to the next level. We'll talk about why that is coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, better good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel is great. Make sure you check it out today at FanDuel because whenever you go, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So placing that $5 bet gets you the guaranteed uh, $150 in bonus bets for you. And right now it's the perfect time to go to FanDuel. You have the $150 for new customers if you place that $5 bet, win or lose. And you have everything at your disposal. If you're only an NBA fan, you can go bet on every NBA game. You can make NBA prop bets. You can do a lot of fun stuff. If you're an NFL fan, the playoffs are starting. Why not add a little 
a little extra juice to a playoff game. These standalone games can get more interesting when you throw some money down because you don't have the red zone keeping you occupied anymore. Why not enjoy the game that way? And then, of course, in the NBA, you have Dallas right now at home hosting Memphis tonight, and they're an eight-point favorite. No John Morant for the season now for Memphis. That might be uh, one you want to hop on if you're going to bet on the NBA tonight in Dallas. So check it out today at Fender.com slash Lockdown. That's Fender.com slash Lockdown. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. Tell a friend about the show. Great stuff. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And Chet Holmgren played his best game. And it was his best game because of those around him. So he hits two threes in the first quarter to set the tone. He is just... The best thing about Chet Holmgren is even as a rookie, he lets the game come to him. And that is a cliche. That is a crutch, but it is true with Chet Holmgren. And I'll tell you why. Because oftentimes you see players head into games predetermined and hell-bent on doing one thing. On They have it in their mind how they're going to attack somebody, how they're going to attack a team, and they're going to do it no matter what. And it might not be the best case scenario for the contest. And so with Chet Holmgren, he has this unique ability, especially as a young player, to just react to the game. There's oftentimes it's best to be reactive and not proactive when you're looking at individualized basketball against team defenses. Because he is capable of reacting. He can throw a second, third pitch. He's not a fastball in the middle guy only. He has different outs for your coverages. And so whenever you look at not being predetermined, the scouting report on Chet Holmgren, I refuse to believe, is just leave him alone, let him shoot. And so if you're heading into the game to be predetermined, you're not going to think defenses are going to play you that way, but that's what Washington did. Washington never stepped up all night. They never tried to contest a three, and it was just bombs away from distance with Chet going four for five offensively. And it was all due to Washington not running him off the line, Washington not being overzealous on closeouts, which, we, which we've seen a lot from other teams. Like, that's how NBA teams are guarding him. They are closing out hard and at times flying by him to close out because they're so worried about the three. Meanwhile, Washington was just laissez-faire, didn't care at all about Chet's potential to shoot, and Chet was reactive to that and made them pay. A younger player who doesn't have this mindset might come to this game wanting to get downhill. You're getting downhill, you're, you're playing into how they're covering you. So being reactive in that way really helps Chet Holmgren. And the fact he's able to react helps him because if you did pick him up high, well, he can just take you off the bounce to the rim. He can just cut back door as a more athletic player than the players guarding him. And if you did come out, like we said before, and you, and you contest too hard, he can just manipulate around you because you're going to fly by him with your, your, your momentum going that fast to the perimeter. So I, I think that that is a unique ability that Chet Holmgren has to just let the game come to him. And it's not at all a crutch or a buzz phrase. It is like legit that Chet does that night in and night out. And it goes beyond just scoring. The cross-court skip pass to Isaiah Joe for three was a very, very advanced pass for a big man. But let's talk specifically about how this was his best game. Because it, it wasn't some game that had just all these massively rememberable moments. It was just sustained success. It wasn't some turnaround three at the buzzer against Golden State. It wasn't a self-alley-oop 
against the Clippers. It wasn't a seven-block game on the defensive end. What Chet Holmgren did tonight is exactly how the Thunder should use him night in and night out. And what we highlighted that they should get better at yesterday. He finishes with 31 points, five assists, four rebounds, two blocks, and only missed three shots. One of them came from beyond the arc. He did go five for eight from the line, has to get, has to get turned back around at the charity stripe. But all 11 of his makes were assisted. All 11 of his makes were assisted for a couple of reasons. One, Chet Holmgren does a fantastic job of always keeping his feet active on the perimeter. And he's, he's never caught on the heels of his feet. He's also on the balls of his feet, ready to move. And that relocation allows him to find shooting windows on the perimeter. That shooting is highlighted by the fact that he can, he can knock down catch and shoot threes. He can knock down threes off the dribble and he can knock down threes stepping into one as a trailer behind the play. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can get him the ball. You never have to worry of like, oh, he's not in a spot he likes. He's not in a rhythm he likes. This is not going to go in. Let's just look past. If Chet's open, get him the ball. He's going to make it because he can do so many things out there. But how they use him in the flow of the game was exactly how they should be doing it for the rest of the season, for the rest of his career. You had a play where SGA is instructing Chet to go on the opposite side of the paint because that was right before SGA drives. So SGA gets Chet set on the opposite side of the paint, opposite side of the block. Then SGA gets downhill. And if you see that MVP caliber player who does all of his damage around the ring coming downhill, you're going to leave the big commit to SGA as a driver and try to double him. Because surely if he's going downhill with that much force, he's going to go up. No, Chet Holmgren gets the dump off pass from SGA for an easy bucket. Making the defense pick is something that the Thunder can do every time that SGA and Chet share a floor. And they have to do it more consistently. And you saw it consistently in this game. You had SGA uh, you know, going on the baseline, and they swing the ball to SGA on the baseline, kind of in the short corner. Obviously, the defense is going to shade over to SGA. He's now got the ball in a spot he likes, in a spot where he's hit many a baseline jumpers in the mid-range. So the defense shades over. Guess what? Your back is now turned to Chet. He now is in the lane and has a clear roll to the basket. He takes that roll. SGA hits him on a pocket pass. It's an easy dunk. There's nothing you can do about it because you've turned your back to Chet Holmgren. That is the stuff we discussed in the offseason of this team has the potential, has the ability to become a pick-your-poison offense. Because you can't exactly say it's wrong to show SGA that much respect and that much and that much attention because if you don't, you make his life incredibly hard to pick apart, incredibly easy to pick apart your defense because there is not a one-on-one defender who you would pick over SGA right now in the league. You would pick SGA with the ball in his hands over every defender in isolation with how good he plays. You'd much rather have that one-on-one matchup than the attention being swarmed to him. They they use Chet a lot better in the pick and roll as well. You know, on these Chet rolls, the defense is forced to guard SGA and, and, and forced to, to you know kind of commit to him. And he has the crafty playmaking now to get the ball to Chet for easy, easy buckets. He runs the floor so well in transition, which leads to him getting fed the ball, running, running the floor and, and picking the right lane to go down uh, to have an, a clear path to the basket or a clear path to an open shot. And then he also shows this great body control that he has whenever you know, he's kind of coming down the lane a little bit. It looks like he wanted more so like to come to the lane, receive the ball and go into a layup, but the pass was a bit behind him. He collects that pass and goes right in one motion into a fadeaway baseline jumper in one motion. That is hard to do. But besides that fadeaway jumper, all of his makes were in the paint and the three. The one make that was not in the paint were the three 
was that fallaway baseline jumper that was so smooth. He plays the modern game perfectly, as does the rest and do the rest of these Thunder Stars. They play the modern game perfectly. SGA had 32 points, five assists, six rebounds, three steals, a block, but he shot 64% from the floor as a guard, where only two of his makes were at the three-point line, and every other make, he was in the paint. And not only was he in the paint, he was touching the restricted area because no team can stop him, no team can guard him, and no one on Washington was going to present a threat down there. SGA was receiving MVP chance on the road. That is special. Genuine MVP chance on the road only happened to transcendent stars who have, who have gone past just their market. And to have another player who has been able to have the outreach from his Instagram presence to his just play on the court to you know surpass this small niche bubble of Oklahoma City and go worldwide, to have another player like that, Oklahoma City is so fortunate. It's, it's incredibly rare. You know, DeMontis Sabonis in Sacramento is not getting MVP chance on the road or in Sacramento. De'Aaron Fox is not either. Like, like you have to be so good to reach this status. And it's admittedly harder. I mean, I know that people were, were complaining about press clippings, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say that the, that the national media never talks about the Thunder and then say, oh, when you do talk about the Thunder, it's bad for the team. It, last week was really the first wave of introduction by the national media really hard to SGA. And for opposing fan bases to take kind of solace in that and translate it to MVP road chance was awesome. There also was a very big Thunder contingent there, which again shows how the brand has grown. Obviously, DC is a very transient city, but still um, nice for OKC. You know, no one could stop SGA from getting to his spots, obviously as seen by all his makes besides the two threes coming in the restricted area. He missed a couple freebies. Again, uncharacteristic. He's going to clean that up. Uh, and he has to. But 14 first quarter points, giving OKC a six-point cushion. Seven points, uh, you know, a rebound, an assist, a steal. Uh, there, he played his role very well. of Setting the tone in the first quarter, getting it back on track after halftime or 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 bettering the lead at half, after halftime, and then closing out the game in the fourth quarter. His ability to play at his own pace and turn the corner is well-documented, but continues to be eye-popping. And his body positioning to create space artificially with his body, shielding off defenders and using his length to get the ball to the cylinder uh, without being impeded, I think is a big deal for SGA's scoring presence as well. It's why you're able to score all of your makes and you're to 32 points besides two threes in the restricted area. You have to be creative down there. And so when you look at this Thunder team, I think that you'll see that this game showed exactly not only what they're capable of offensively, but the formula to do it. It was Chet Holmgren routinely all night consistently that he was on the floor finding easy buckets because he's so good at relocating, because he's so so savvy as a roller, and his teammates actually found him this time. Uh, it routinely found him. It was SGA coming out like a gangbuster in the first quarter, coming out strong in the third quarter, and then being there to finish off the last seven minutes of the of the other two frames. And then it was Jalen Williams stepping up into attack mode in the second and fourth quarter. What does he have to do to become a complete player? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to say right now, better good friends over at BetterHelp. Folks, BetterHelp is awesome. I, I think that when you look at BetterHelp, you get all of the benefits of therapy, but it's around your schedule. So many people could, you know, 
use or have thought that they could use the benefit of therapy, but there's always that fallback of, well, I don't have enough time. There's not enough time in the day to take care of all my work obligations, my personal obligations, my family obligations. And then on top of that, carve out time to go to a brick and mortar building and, and, and go talk to a therapist. But whenever you're looking at starting therapy and when you're looking at kind of making this, this new year and this, and this kind of new, uh, you know, change of yourself, however you want to see that happen, uh, and, and the benefits of therapy to find your strengths and to empower yourself. When you're looking to do that, BetterHelp is right there with you in the modern world. Because if you think that you could have benefits of therapy, you should try BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's designed for your convenience, your flexibility, and is suited around your schedule. You just fill out this brief questionnaire and you get it matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time, no additional charge. You can go fill out that questionnaire. If you get matched with a therapist and you love them, great. Right off into the therapy sunset. If you if you aren't vibing very well, you can just re-roll and re kind of you know get yourself a, a new therapist until you find the one that you very much click with and very much want to want to continue with. So it's great. You should try them out today and celebrate the progress you've already made by visiting BetterHelp.com/lockedonmba. That's BetterHelp.com/lockedonmba. And when you do, you're going to get ten percent off of your first month whenever you go to BetterHelp.com/lockedonmba. Uh, for 10% off your first month. You are. We're back on the Lockdown Thinner Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're for you talking Thunder basketball. J-Dub going into attack mode is a must do more often. He just takes over the second and fourth quarter and looks so comfortable doing so and is so good at it. In the second quarter, he has a nice scoring sprint to start the second quarter, but then he's dropping dimes to Wiggins for a beautiful play. And then he finishes that second quarter with six points on four attempts, four for six on, on the uh, third, second quarter with four assists and a rebound, only one missed shot, all, all, all frame. But in the fourth quarter, he goes four for six with one for one from three, 11 points, an assist, a rebound, and a steal in that fourth quarter. To total him, 21 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and 69% from the floor, 1 for 1 from 3, and 2 for 2 at the line. Jalen Williams somehow added bulk, but increased his otherworldly efficiencies, plus 6% in the mid-range, and is from 38 to over 40% from beyond the arc uh, in the three-point territory. What Jalen Williams has to learn is that he's one of those guys, right? And this is something that Mark's talked about. Mark's talked about how when you draft a player, when you when you inherit a player, they all have their natural comfortability levels of what they like to do. Some players are very, you know, passive in the, in the sense of letting the game come to them, wanting to be team-oriented, wanting to just catch a flow in the rhythm of the game. Some players are very much ultra-aggressive, very much looking uh, kind of for their opportunities. And, and last year, he used a great example of the, of the number line and how Lou Dort naturally is more aggressive. And Jalen Williams naturally is more uh, play through the rhythm of the game. And you want to get both those guys and all players on your team as close to the middle as you possibly can to find that right balance. With J-Dub, he's got to find the balance of being more aggressive and allowing himself to be more aggressive. This is not uncommon with young players. This is something that now, back-to-back 30-point-per-game score SGA, MVP candidate SGA, first-team All-NBA SGA, even he had to figure out in his time in Oklahoma City uh, and whenever he first 
was given more and more responsibility, even he had to figure out. We, we had these exact same conversations with SGA. You can go back and hear them on this very podcast of the, the way to take SGA to the next level is for him to realize how good he is. It's for him to realize that, you know what? This is for J-Dub, and it was for SGA. A good shot from Jalen Williams, especially a lot of the times whenever he's whenever he's you know leading the secondary unit, but but really any time on the floor, a good shot for Jalen Williams is better than passing it to a great shot for your teammates. Oftentimes you'd rather have the good shot from J-Dub because he's that good, because he is that level of player. And that's a hard switch to make. It's a hard adjustment to make. That's a hard step to take because your instincts tell you this guy is wide open. I can make that pass. I can make that play. But your play of rising up versus a soft defense, even though this guy is wide open, is better. It's the better route to go for team success. Even looking off an open jumper, even looking off an open player. And so as he becomes more aggressive, more consistently, you will just continue to see him on a meteoric rise offensively. You're going to want to watch as J-Dub finds his groove the way SGA did. I'm not going to say that J-Dub's going to become a 30-point-per-game scorer. I don't believe that. But this is something that's hard for players to get in the swing of, and he's already shown improvement in this category. He showed it last year. Look at his splits last year. Look at his tape last year of how much more aggressive he got toward the end. This year, he's gotten more aggressive than where he left off at last year. He now has a more comfortable mid-range game off the dribble. He now is more comfortable and, 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 and better at getting downhill. He is almost automatic going to his left in the lane. J-Dub is the real deal. He is the score that the Thunder need to bridge a gap for 48 minutes. But it's that consistent kill mode that he has to get into. The consistent aggressive mode that he has to get into. And I think that it's also tough, and that's something that I don't think that we can fully comprehend whenever you're reacting to games in real time, whenever you are in the midst of being a Thunder connoisseur, listening to a Thunder podcast daily, and you're in the weeds of everything going on with the team. The Thunder are not even at the halfway point of the season yet. We have not, as NBA fans, watched half of Jalen Williams' second season. He's not going to be a perfect player yet. He's not going to have it all figured out yet. He's going to continue to grow. But he's made significant strides in every possible category to this point. And so I'm interested to see how it takes off in the second half of the season, the way it did last year in the second half of the season, because you're starting to see him get better and better. Now, going back to how young he is, this is also a brand new role for him. Twofold, by the way. You're now tasked as being the guy, like you are the guy with the second and, and fourth quarter starting out those two quarters. You are the man everyone is looking to. You're the guy, and, and sometimes in laps, the only guy who can create his own shot. It's all on you. But then you close those quarters and you start the first and third quarter as a guy who's trying to kind of find his groove as you have a very ball-dominant player in SGA who you need to get his shot attempts up. You need to get him up. You have Chet Holmgren on the floor who, who works well in a two-man game with everyone on the floor and, and can and can kind of get his shots that way just naturally. You have Lou Dort and Josh Kitty who are going to take shots. And so I think that like 
in the moment, it feels like, why is Josh, why is Jalen waiting until the fourth quarter to get going? But in reality, there's only, you know, 48 minutes in the game divided by four quarters. And of those four quarters, he's not playing the entire fourth quarter. He's not playing the entire third quarter because he's getting geared up to go play the start of the other frames. And so naturally his shot attempts are going to be down in those quarters. Like it, that's just how it works. But in the moment, it feels like, why are you waiting till the fourth quarter? Why are you only doing this in the second quarter? That's the flow of the game. That's the rhythms of life in the NBA. But but as J-Dub continues to get more aggressive and continues to get in kill mode more, he will unlock another level to his game. Speaking of unlocking, Isaiah Joe is a difference maker for what this Thunder team can achieve. Their record when he scores 10 plus points off the bench changes everything for the Thunder. He's four for seven from three, six for 10 from the floor, four rebounds, three assists. And he just shows each game these, these little subtle things that might go unnoticed by some, but win basketball games. We've talked about how he can literally create rebounds, even at his size, even at his stature. He finds a way to mix it up and create rebounds. But there were two other plays that I thought were really big. Number one, and first and foremost, this is one of the more impressive plays of the game. He gets put in a two-on-one fast break, two-on-one with Lou Dort running it. Lou Dort gives him the ball uh, on the two-on-one. You know, he gives Lou Dort the ball, Dort gives it back. And most players just, okay, that's the cadence of things. Pass, pass, shot, and just rush the shot. And it's, and it's a bad shot whenever the defense recovers the way that the Wizards did. But Joe saw and recognized, hey, you know, we didn't, we didn't bring the ball on the floor long enough. The defense never committed to Dort, and now he's on me. I'm not going to shoot this. I'm going to pull it out instead. And that reset to pull it out still gained the Thunder a wide open SGA dive to the rim for an open dunk. Most players just go ahead and shoot because that's the, the that's what you've always done. That's been always the flow of a two-on-one fast break. And it costs you points in transition. This way, SGA still gets down there before the defense gets set. So even though you technically lost out on the two-on-one and you technically lost out on, on the you know absurd numbers, you still are able to beat them down the floor before they can get set into their shell and SGA gets an easy look at the rim. That's a heads-up play by Isaiah Joe. And then he can sh- he continues to show his awesome body control finishing through contact. Now let's talk Aaron Wiggins because winning Wiggins did his thing, continues to make an instant, immediate, positive impact and, in- and just kind of inject just a jolt of energy into this team when he's on the floor. I don't understand why Aaron Wiggins is not just sharpied into the rotation. He gets 22 minutes today, goes five for eight from the floor, one for one from three, 13 points, five uh, rebounds, a steal in 22 minutes. He's a fantastic defensive communicator and and a defense that relies heavily on switching and, and being on the same page. He's a fantastic connector offensively and play finisher offensively. He just does his job to a superb level. And if this is what he can do in sporadic minutes, if this is what he can do when you don't let him get into a rhythm, when you don't let him settle in as a rotational player, when you don't let him uh, feel confident every single night that he's in the arena he's going to play, if this is what he can do kind of on a whim, so to say, or on a on a kind of a guess every game if he's going to play or not, then I know it's their jobs to stay ready. I know it's their jobs to be prepared to go in and do all they need to do to be prepared. Let's face it, it's, it's still a very tough task to do. To, you know, it's, it's easy to say that. These guys could pay millions of dollars. They should be, they should be play, ready to play basketball. It's easy to say that, but like, it's different whenever you can confidently go to the arena and prepare as you know that you're going to play the game. Why Wiggins is not one of those guys, I will never understand because he's able to do this. He's able to consistently 
do this for Oklahoma City. I thought it was a mixed bag from Josh Giddy. You know, he had a nice Euro step finish. He showed overall better footwork. Uh, the rim finishing, which is key for him, I, I genuinely believe that there's that there's going to need to be more focus put on how he finishes inside the arc than outside the arc. Because, you know, he's he shot three threes today and, and went one for three. Defenses are going to live with, even if he goes three for three from beyond the arc, because you'll sacrifice those three buckets for the buckets you stop by not having to guard someone and playing five on four. You will sacrifice those three buckets. And, you know, it's unfair to ask Josh to go seven for seven or shoot 10 threes. He's not going to do that. So the way he can make defenses pay and be more honest is by getting downhill and scoring at the rim and getting to his spots in the mid-range. He did that at such a great level in FIBA. That's got to be translated to the NBA at some point. And in this game, he has nine points, but only made three of his 11 attempts from the floor. Nine assists, six rebounds, two steals, only one turnover. So, you know, you want to see better rim finishes. And there were there were some flashy ones. There was the Euro step finish, uh, and there was there was a uh, kind of finish with spinning, you know, in the lane, which which he was able to pull off. But ultimately, he was a really good rebounder, and he had a really good pass flow working early, which was uh, key to the Thunder getting out to and, and stabilizing that first quarter. He found Dort on a nice cut. He found J-Dub for a slam. Like he did some really good things as a playmaker. He did some really good things as a, as a rebounder. He also had a great anticipation, anticipation steal on an entry pass to the post. It's important to say he's a, he's a young player still developing. And part of that development is learning from your lessons. And I mean with Josh Skiddy, the Thunder have talked about it. We've talked about it. Fans have talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. Josh Giddy had to get more decisive. He had to get more aggressive uh, in the sense of, of decisiveness. He could not be hesitant. He, he could no longer just hold the ball. He had to decide what to do, making quicker decisions. Now, he's done that. He's, he's been able to turn the corner better. He's been able to make quicker reads. It's now balancing the, hey, I've turned the corner off the dribble. I've got downhill to my spots. I'm going to shoot this and get blocked by the third wizard to rotate over. It's now balancing the, I'm going full force downhill, head down. And now I'm going to, I'm deciding right now that I want to get inside the arc. I want to get to the lane, but I want to continue to survey the floor. And I mean, you know, one time you had exactly the play that you want to see from Josh Kitty. He gets in the, inside the arc, he gets to the rim and the defense respects that. And they bring over help. And it leaves Chet Holmgren wide open in the corner. It freezes and collapses the defense. And it's something that Josh Giddy has the ability to find and hit on a spray out three. But by the same token, he's trying to be more decisive and be more aggressive getting to the rim, which is what has been ingrained in him this whole season. So it's now adding to that lesson of like, yeah, you passed two plus two. Now let's do, you know, two, two times three, right? You, you've gotten the addition. Let's get the multiplication. Let's get the subtraction, the division. So like it's adding to what, what he's been able to improve upon. He's improved the decisiveness. Now keep you know, discipline to your bread and butter of passing, which he had a really good passing game, especially early on. And then we'll talk about Casey Wallace in the show. Casey Wallace, what a game from him defensively. He, he's able to swat jumpers like nobody else. He has great anticipation skills to to jump the lane and get steals and get deflections and disrupt 
possessions. And even whenever he doesn't get a steal, getting a deflection can cause the the other team to fumble away a possession just by sheer time. You know, you, you, if you get a deflection and then that ball ping pongs around for a little bit, that, that shot clock up there is ticking, ticking, ticking down. And you don't got tick, 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 24 hours to go. You got 24 seconds to go and those go by quick. So uh, if this is the baseline for what Cason Wallace is as a defender, with this coaching staff, with this developmental system uh, that, that has proven to be able to grow really good defenders, elite is the ceiling for Cason Wallace defensively. Elite. Really good stuff from Cason defensively. Going through a bit, of a, a bit of a shooting lull right now. Obviously, remember, rookie, rookie wall. He's played more NBA games than college games and not only played those games, played those games with heavy doses, which is tough. Uh, but ultimately, the Thunder did their job. They have an interesting slate in their next five games. We're going to be back tomorrow to give a stock watch report. Are these players going up or down on every player on the roster? You can play along on Twitter uh, at Ryland underscore styles. You can play along on YouTube in the comments. Which players do you think are trending up? Which players are trending down? We'll have the answers for you on Wednesday's show ahead of that Miami game. But until then, be good and be good to one another.